Welcome to Intrinsic Motivation from a Homie's Perspective podcast, where we meet experts from all walks of life to learn their intrinsic motivation so that they can share it with the world. What do we have in store today? Stay tuned to find out more. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, everybody out there in podcast land. You are in tune to another episode of Intrinsic Motivation from a Homie's Perspective. This is Hamza. And I am David. And today we are going to speak to someone that has superpowers. She is in South Florida. And for most of us, I'll speak specifically for myself, in the middle of the afternoon, I don't know what happens, but my energy is just zapped. And I'm like, I need to roll up in a in a ball and just go to sleep for like an hour. I have this huge afternoon energy slump and a lot of people that I speak with, they are doing the same thing and they usually try to rely on coffee, caffeine, anything under the sun to keep them going. But our person with the superpowers is going to tell us ways that uh, we can get around that. She's actually the author of Superpowers, A Busy Woman's Guide to Health and Happiness. And since this is a homies podcast, I'm assuming that guys can also follow her guide to health and happiness. <laughs> Without further ado, I'd like to welcome Adita Lang to the podcast. Welcome, Adita. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. This is exciting. Yes, yeah. this is, this, these are things that anybody can do. It's Good. So okay, well let's we we can I don't want to jump right into it because obviously everyone um, has their ways of doing it and they're like well their arms are crossed and they're like well what is Adita going to share with us? But before going right into that, I actually do want to go into your background because you are a nutritionist. Uh, You've been in this field for a considerable amount of time. So I'd like to get the credentializing out of the way instead of um, just the homies talking and saying, well, I heard that this works and that works. I think that you're more of an expert that will have a better opinion. Yeah, I've been doing this for quite a long time. So I started in the health and fitness industry over 30 years ago. And um, I've done everything imaginable in that industry and have had an absolutely amazing ride. But in that also, I became faculty member to most of the fitness associations out there. I got to travel around the world and lecture on anatomy, biomechanics, and nutrition and have just really enjoyed that ride. And so my degree is in holistic nutrition. I'm also a holistic lifestyle coach through the Czech Institute, which is out of California. And I have been writing programs for trainers most of my career. So a lot of these, like TV shows that you see with these, you know, new exercise programs and new diet programs, there's someone mm-hmm. behind the scenes that writes the material to train the trainers to teach that, and that's me. Oh. So I write all that stuff for them, yeah. Awesome. There is always someone behind the scenes that make the person in front of the scenes look so perfect. So it's good to know <laughs> um, one of the puppet masters, if you will. Exactly. And I try to make sure that they all look very smart and they know what they're talking about so they can really make some changes in people's lives. One thing that from the outside people ask that people are from the outside or in the entertainment industry, you hear a lot about ghostwriters. And and so the question is always asked, well, why don't you get in front of the screen and do it? it was that, I'm sure you were given those opportunities as well. And I've done that as well. I, I used to have fitness products that were sold at Marshalls and TJ Maxx. And I, I've done a ton of videos, exercise videos and fitness videos. Um, so I have also been in front of the camera. But I've also done a lot of the behind-the-scenes work, which is fun as well. Gotcha. And it seems like it would be less of a headache. <laughs> It depends. You know, fitness is a fun industry. It, you know, I always used to, I, I tell my clients, like I've got some personal training clients, and they're very high-end executives. And, you know, they'll come back from a conference and they'll be like, oh, that was boring. And, you know, it was kind of mundane. And then I'm like, oh, I just got back from a fitness conference. And I'm like high and jumping up and down. And they're like, what, what do you people do there? And I'm like, don't understand. It's like, it's like a fraternity and a sorority all combined in one. It doesn't matter how old we are. We're still laughing and giggling and having a good time because that's part of health. Mm-hmm. I love it. And so I, I'd like, with 30 years in experience, you can kind of take snapshots of 30 years ago versus today. And some people may think, myself included, 
I still have my Jane Fonda VHS that I try to play on my Betamax. <laughs> I know they don't go together. <laughs> How is the fitness industry different from from the beta days, Betamax days? Wow. Well, now they're doing virtual reality classes. So a very dear friend of mine, Linda Shelton, she actually will work with a fitness professional. They will film the fitness professional from every single angle, and they create a virtual reality duplicate. And gyms are paying for this service. And so that way you could go in at any time, you know, during the dead hours, let's say, and you wanted to do a class, and you can go to the computer and set it up, and your virtual reality teacher shows up. Nice. So Does that, that put, that, do you think, you say that will again? That put the personal trainer, will that put the personal trainer out of business? You know, yes and no. Um, I think that, you know, the personal trainer will always have a place because people get injured. Mm-hmm. People don't, lose, don't, don't reach their goals. People need to feel accountable to somebody. So there's always some kind of a reason for someone to get a trainer. Mm-hmm. That's good. And so, I you know, the, the classes are fun to do by yourself and with your friends, but you're always going to want a real person there at some given point in time. Good, good, good. And thanks for sharing that because I'm in the technology space and I didn't know, I'm not that in touch with the fitness niche. So I was just wondering where virtual reality plays its part. Yeah. It's huge. It is huge. I'm I'm thinking. Since we're in the holiday spirit, I mean holiday spirit, we're in the holiday season and I'm seeing the commercials with the new uh, Facebook Alexa slash video machine that's going to come out, and that's where I was thinking where uh, fitness was headed, where you can have your fitness instructor call you remotely and still work at home while you're having that instructor at their location across the world or wherever. Oh, that's been going on as well. I coach, mm-hmm. I have a, a client of mine that I coach overseas when, she, when they travel, and I'll coach her via Skype yeah. or, face, or FaceTime, mm-hmm. and so that's been Love going it. on for quite some time. And there's a lot of different okay. platforms out there that have, you know, famous fitness instructors that are doing these live classes, and they have a schedule just like they'd have a schedule at a gym, but people can just tune in via their computer from anywhere in the world. Uh, does, that, does that come in a package? Like you can get your training, you can get uh, recipes and, and food items and, and just following up with them as, as their taskmaster? Master? I, I'm, sh- I'm sure that there are trainers out there doing that, yeah. Okay. And, Dita, let me ask you this. So I know, I, like you said, at 16 you started, you taught your first class, and then you taught your first fitness class, you were at your first fitness conference at 18, did you know pretty young, at a pretty young age, this is the, what you wanted to get into? Um, well, you, you know, know funny enough, both of my parents are, are medical doctors. And so growing up, uh, that was where I was going to go. That was my trajectory. I was going to be a doctor. According to my dad, that is what I was going to do. And my mother and I had some challenges, and that's how I, I got into fitness, is her and I went to an aerobics class, together to see if we could, you know, be nice to each other. And we went, and I loved it, and she didn't like it. She never went back. But funny enough, it was at a time when fitness was just starting. We taught barefoot on concrete. And the, the ladies that owned this studio, they were like, you know, you're really young, and we don't know if these adult women are going to respond to you, but you can try it. And I was like, okay, I'll try it. And I loved it. And everybody loved it, and we had a great time. And so that was amazing for me. But, you know, the industry just has done so many things since that time. But it was a pretty incredible time, though. So what... So what are the, some of the things that maybe, like as Hamza mentioned, obviously technology is, you know, is where it's at today so people can take classes from wherever they're at in the world. But were there any things that maybe you were subscribing to 30 years ago that you've maybe 180 and changed because of over time just, you know, you get more information and you start adjusting, you know, how you uh, teach and how you consult with people? Any changes? You know what, um, the, the off thing about the fitness industry is when 
I was initially in the fitness industry, I would compete against other trainers or fitness instructors by my credentials. That's how we competed with each other. We'd be like, oh, we just came back from this workshop or we took this certification. Um, Since then, there's what we call canned programs. So there's these companies that create, for example, an exercise class to a very specific CD of, of music. And they will basically send the choreographer, choreography with the exact CD, and instructors are basically just memorizing movements and teaching. And when I taught back in the day, I would sit there with my friends. We'd be in a room by ourselves. We'd be creating our own choreography, our own routines, whatever. The, we'd create all the new exercises. But now people get them in a notebook, basically. So that part of it has changed drastically. We're all being gyms and, and the um, level of education is far below what it used to be, which is kind of sad. Hmm. Why do you think that is? I think it's because most of them, it's kind of like they're going the easy way out. It's like, you know, now, you know, when I used to work for the National Academy of Sports Medicine, and there was a team of eight of us, and we used to travel all over the world, and if anybody, that was one of the biggest certifications around, and we worked hard. We challenged you big time, but we did it live. And so as a trainer, you would have to take a written exam, and then you would have to do a practical with us around you, questioning you and, and, you know, finding out what's going on. Nowadays, you can just get certified online. And there's no human being to really check to know, do you really know what you're talking about? So that part of it has been, you know, it's kind of sad to me because when I go into gyms and I I see the stuff that's going on, I'm like, wow. Wow. But at the same time, too, for me, it opens up my doors huge because I get all the injuries. So anybody <laughs> exactly. who gets injured, they'll come to me. Exactly. Cool. I love that. Are you originally from Miami? No, I, I'm actually a military brat. So I was um, born in California, raised in Madrid, and then lived all over the United States. Oh, perfect. Okay. I was going to give you a little dig because uh, I am a swap guy a little farther north from Miami. So I didn't know if you were born and bred hurricane or not. No, no, not me. Good. There's, it, it's kind of, there's, not that many, there's not that many people when you're in Miami, it's very rare to find someone who's from Miami. Uh, that you sounds like Atlanta. All over the world. Yeah, 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 that's true. Yeah. Well, I guess where I was leading with that was kind of like a house divided. So, you know, the state of Florida split into threes with – Tallahassee, Gainesville, and Miami, and you had mentioned that your parents are medical doctors, and I was just wondering what the what the conversation is like because you're more of a nutrition and fitness, which is more uh, preventive, and they're more of of care. So I was just yeah. wondering if you guys combine like they come people come to see you for prevention, and then they come to the medical doctors, but some medical doctors think this is hogwash. So I, I wonder what was going on in your immediate environment. Well, you know, um, when, when I started in the business, my father had a fit. And I was like, I'm going to go the preventative medicine route. And he didn't mm-hmm. like that at all. And I lectured for a group of personal trainers, and I must have been like 18 or 19, and I invited my father to be there. And all of a sudden, he was like, oh, my God, you know about the circulatory system and the heart and, you know, about muscle fibers and muscle tissue? And I was like, yeah, I know all this stuff, Dad. And it, we, it changed the whole relationship with my dad. So from that point on, he was like, okay, this is kind of cool what you're doing. But, but interestingly enough, he, he never adapted to any of the healthier um, type, you know, habits. I tried. Unfortunately, he passed away back in February. But he, the, the, the habits and the things that I was preaching was, was still very foreign to him because he was, you know, he went to medical school. And when they go to medical school, that's all they know and that's all they want to know. And unless they, you know, now the younger generation, they exercise, they take a little bit more nutrition in medical school, but the older generation just didn't. My dad had one semester of nutrition. Yeah. Sorry to hear about your, your father's passing. No, thank you. The other side of that is with your, you were saying your comrades or the newer comrades aren't getting the education that you had to cut your teeth on. And I was just wondering about your customers because the, with the Internet, the customers are more educated. They, are, they do know more about nutrition and fitness. 
And so I was wondering if you're getting a, a more educated client base. You know, yes and no. Because everyone gets so busy. And everybody, you know, that yeah, the Internet is here, but, you know, it's so easy to sway off, you know, on the Facebook land and, and be kind of taken by that. So it's a lot of mixed information that's out there. And I go a lot to corporations and talk about health and wellness. Mm-hmm. And my goal is always to give them information in just a really easy-to-understand format. So it seems doable. And it, it's amazing just all the confusion. And it gets to the point where most of the people that I talk to are so confused that they just put their hands up in the air and they said, I give up. I can't do this. Mm-hmm. And that comes with exercise as well. I've seen so many people just go, okay, I can't do this. And one thing that I try to tell people when it comes to exercise is that when I was initially in the business, we would tell people, you need to work out, you know, three to four times a week for at least 60 minutes. And honestly, if someone came to me and said, oh, you know what, I only got 48 minutes in, I would give them grief because I was like, oh, no, you need 60 minutes. That's what you need. And, and because of people like me, they got to the point where they were like, okay, if I can't get 60 minutes, I'm just not going to do it. And so they just stopped. And now the American College of Sports Medicine came out recently and said, oh, no, no, wait a minute, hold on a second. You just need 150 to 300 minutes of exercise a week, and it doesn't have to be consecutive, which is kind of cool. Those sound like huge numbers, but they're really not. So 150 is for the novice, 300 is for the more advanced. But it's basically saying anything that increases your heart rate and makes you sweat is considered activity. So that means if you're doing gardening, if you're doing house cleaning, if you're, you know, fixing the roof on your house, any kind of things like that that is increasing your heart rate and makes you sweat, those minutes count. And because it doesn't have to be consecutive, I'm telling clients nowadays, hey, why don't you just start your day with lunges and squats, five minutes, and there, now you've gotten rid of five minutes of your, of your workout, and then do a little bit of walking in the afternoon, and then if you can hit the gym for 20 minutes later on, great. And that way you just add up your minutes without feeling so confined that if I don't have 60 minutes to go to the gym, I might as well not go. What about the saying that if you're not finding the time to exercise now, <laughs> you'll definitely have the time to deal with your injuries and, and disease later? Oh, well, that's a, that's a fact. The human body was meant to move. It really was. And it saddens me when I see people that are just like, oh, no, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. And, and you know, it doesn't hit them until all of a sudden either they get something wrong or one of their friends, I mean, it's, it's a terrible thing to say, but, but I see it with my older clients. It's one, when one of their friends dies is when all of a sudden they're like, oh, I need to work out. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you had to wait for that to, like in, you know, to, to make you move? Mm-hmm. People just, and it's, you know, with the Internet and everything is so easily accessible, people just, they get very comfortable. And they don't really recognize that they need to get out there and move. And kids these days, they're, you know, they're on their phones or their iPads, and they're not moving. I have a technology question related to that. So I did see this meme that the person didn't post that they worked out on Facebook, so it didn't count. Is that true? That didn't count. I that's awesome. <laughs> the other side of that, Adina, is uh, I was listening to another podcast, and it was a military gentleman on, and he was talking about that the military cannot get the numbers that they are used to having. And the original, the initial question was, oh, is it because of technology and we're dealing with drones and all this other stuff? And he's, he said, that's only a small percentage. The, the bigger percentage is because of the sedentary lifestyles overall, especially with the kids. They're just not in shape, so they, they're always turned away even if they express interest in joining the military. Yeah, I can see that. I read a great article. I want to say it's a Dr. Sachs, and he talks about children with ADHD and boys, and, and one of the things he made the comment of, he said that, there was a coach, and the coach asked a group of boys, hey, who knows how to play football? And he had all these hands raised up. And so he looks at one of the kids and goes, I need you to do this play for me. Go out there and go do it. And the kid ran out to the field and had no idea what to do. And he comes back to the coach, and, and the coach is like, I thought you knew how to do that play. And the kid was like, well, I do it all the time with my, you know, with, with my Xbox. 
<laughs> but he hasn't ever done it. He hasn't physically done it. It was just always on a video game. And, that, and I see that a lot with kids. Hmm. They think yeah, they the know disturbing. it, but they just haven't done it. It's true, and the disturbing side of that, and you're probably closer than I am with the statistics, they're saying this is the first time that this generation may not live as long as the predecessor, and they're also getting a type, what is it, type 2 diabetes early, and I just wanted you to take some time to speak on that. Oh, absolutely. You know, um, I think that, and a lot of it has to do with food. I do quite a lot of nutritional talks for parents. Um, and I have an, a nutrition program called Nutritional Brilliance, which is basically an, edu- it's an online education program for parents because most parents don't know how to feed their kids. And so what they're doing is they're kind of like doing the easy thing, like, oh, my kid's not going to eat. Let me make something quick like mac and cheese. Okay, eat that. And so, so kids are growing up on processed carbohydrates. And, and what happens, and now this happens, and this comes into like our, our talk in regards to caffeine and waking up and all that, is that the average person these days are eating too many sugars. But the thing is, it's not really sugar like you think of table sugar. It's sugar, Mm -hmm. flour, dairy, and alcohol. And so all of those things, when you eat them, your body interprets them and treats them like a sugar. But the challenge is, is you really only need a certain amount of sugar. Like, you know, in theory, let's just say I needed, you know, 10 grams of sugar to have this conversation with you guys. But if I'm going to eat 40 grams, that extra 30 grams has to do something, and it usually gets stored as fat. So when I have too much of that in my system and my system can't break it down, then, yes, diabetes is is the outcome. Mm -hmm. Some TV show was on, and it was a teenager or they yeah, I think they were teenagers and they were remarking that they couldn't even get through the day without having coffee. So I guess this is a good juncture where we can talk about uh, processing that sugar or the lack of, and what are some alternatives? Well, so here, here's kind of what happens in a nutshell. So you have the sugars, which is the sugar, flour, dairy, and alcohol, and then you have the caffeine. Both of those give you a false high, basically. It's a false sense of energy. We have something in our body called the adrenal glands, and the adrenal glands are this thing, basically, that regulates your energy. And in a perfect world, it would give you energy during the day, and when it's coming to nighttime, it'll start to slow down your energy so you get sleepy and you go to bed, and that would be great. But now what happens is every time we have something that creates a false sense of energy, our adrenal glands actually try to work really, really hard at slowing down that energy because it's coming too quick into our body. So it's kind of like a guy pulling a rope going, wait, let me pull this and slow this down. So our adrenal glands are trying to slow us down while we have this high from a cup of coffee. And, and at some given point, our adrenal glands fatigue out. And when they fatigue out, that's when all of a sudden that 2 o'clock time hits and we're like, oh, my God, I can't keep my eyes open. I need to take a nap. I'm exhausted. I can't even think. And it's because our adrenal glands have just said, I can't do this anymore. I cannot keep trying to, you know, monitor this person's energy levels. So, you know, a couple of things that I try to tell people to start fixing your energy. One is if you're going to have coffee in the morning, you have coffee, and it's going to sound weird, so just bear with me, and you take a tablespoon of cold-pressed coconut oil and you mix it in your coffee. And the reason being is the fat will slow down the caffeine from entering your system. So instead of having this giant energy spike, you actually have this lower spike that gives you energy for a longer period of time. So in theory, if you had the cup of coffee and it gave you a high for an hour and a half, if you put oil in it, it's going to give you a a high for maybe two and a half hours, but without stressing out your system. So that's the first thing that I tell people that you need to do because then we're going to start to try to – we want to get rid of the caffeine, but we can't, like, get rid of it automatically because all of a sudden we're going to have headaches and everything else. So we got to just start slowing down the the harsh effects of it. Then the next thing is – Yeah. Let's stay there for one second before we move on um, because I I do have to be sophomore for a second. There are some products on the market where you're putting coffee and coconut uh, what is it, coconut oil or coconut, yeah, coconut oil in there. Uh, but there are some precautions of 
maybe too much coconut oil. What are some side effects of coffee and too much coconut oil? You really are you ready for this? It's going to sound like <laughs> I had to be sophomore, but I figured. You, you, yeah. you, you're, you're I'm really laughing too hard. But. Okay, you're going to poop your brains out. <laughs> okay, too much, and you're running to the bathroom. That's really it. Right, That's right. Right. Yeah, I just wanted to. Sorry about that. I'll, I'll put on my big boy <laughs> pants again. <laughs> um, another thing with the caffeine and, and technology, I have a, a, a client that he had mentioned that he um, he had bought a Fitbit or whatever it was before then. I, I forgot what it was called, but he said it saved his life because he was used to drinking coffee all day. And when he was wearing his Fitbit, he noticed that he was going to bed later and later, and he was uh, irritable, and he, you know he was barking at his at his wife and all this. And when he got the Fitbit, he was tracking what he ate and his exercise, and he realized that his body couldn't really process. I mean, if he had coffee after two o'clock, it would cause him to stay up later. You know, yeah. so uh, there was some factor of tracking what you're eating. But he was diligent, you know, as, as a result, you know, he was happier to – he was, you know, his wife really appreciated it because he wasn't short-tempered and what have you. Um, but a lot of people aren't going to be that diligent in, in, in keeping a journal with everything they eat and exercise. So what's, what are some, some suggestions with that? Well, one of the things is, is that the, the amounts of the sugars, the sugar, flour, dairy, alcohol, trying to minimize those to either not having them with a meal or maybe having them only or only choosing one. So, for example, if you're going to have coffee with cream sugar and you're going to have toast and jam and a glass of juice for breakfast, that's way too much sugar. So if you've said to me, you know what, I have to keep my cream. I, that's the one thing I've got to keep. I'd say, okay, keep your cream, but now you can't have toast, jam, and juice. So what are you going to have? You need to have protein and a good quality fat. So if you had the coffee with the cream with an egg and avocado, awesome, that's perfect, right? So then if you go to lunchtime and you say, okay, I really want a sandwich. So my question is, okay, what kind of a sandwich? So if you want the sandwich, that means you want the bread, then you can't have cheese in there. So you're going to have to have some kind of a meat in there and some, you know, and some vegetables of some sort. But then if you want to have something to drink, you can't have like sweet tea because you already decided that you've chosen the bread as your sugar. So now you've got to make sure that, every, that that's the only sugar you have. Does that make sense? Yeah. And when you, start, when you start adding in the more quality proteins and the quality fats, actually you'll stay satiated for a longer period of time. So I always tell people, too, that like when you get to your next meal, like have you guys had dinner yet? No. Okay, so when, after we talk and you're going to go have dinner, my question to you is are you famished or are you just ready to eat? And if you're famished, you've got to look back at what you ate for lunch or snacks and, and say, hey, did I have enough protein and fat in those meals? Because really you should get to your meal just being ready to eat and not famished. And if you're famished, you, ha- you didn't eat the right proportions of carbohydrates, proteins, and fats at your earlier meal. Mm. So, uh, you know, there's no shortage of people, especially on YouTube, that have different uh, prescribed different kind of uh, nutritional plans and whatnot. And, of course, you know, there's paleo and the keto diet and the intermittent fasting. Um, what do you think of all those? Well, here, here's the thing is that, you know, us three right now talking on the phone, all three of us, if we went on the exact same diet, we would have three different results. Yeah. One of us might feel sleepy, the other one might gain weight, the other one might lose weight. We would have three completely different results because all of us metabolize and break down foods differently. So what I try to tell people to do is that instead of going into one of these extreme diets, you kind of start what I call the middle ground. And so the middle ground is instead of using like the processed carbohydrates, you stick to carbohydrates from fruits and vegetables and you have good quality, so you have approximately 40% of good fruits and vegetables, 40% of good quality protein, and about 20% fat. And that's like your middle ground. And you start with that in meals. 
Then you start seeing how you feel. Did you make it to the next meal feeling famished? Were you sleepy? Were you irritable? And then you start playing and say, so you go, maybe I need a little bit more protein and a little bit less carbs. And maybe I need a little bit more fat. And you play with it until you find something that you're like, wow, I really feel good. Mm-hmm. I had a client recently, she was having such a hard time both losing weight and with her energy. She's like, Adita, at noon, I'm exhausted. I can't even think straight. But when I was looking at her food plan, she was primarily eating processed foods. Now, for her, she needs actually very little carbohydrates, a ton of protein, and a little bit of fat, and she's been awesome. She's been losing weight. She has tons of energy. She feels great, and she, she stopped drinking coffee altogether, but that works for her. Wow. There's other people that I've had that actually need to have more fruits and vegetables, less protein, and a lot of fat. So everybody's kind of different when it comes to their proportions. But once they find their proportions, they'll, like, they'll lose weight and they'll feel great because you really should. We are designed as human beings to have energy throughout the day. So these lulls that we get have to do with, with improper eating and at the same time, too, maybe too much stress and not getting rid of the stress and, you know, not exercising enough. So it's a whole combination of things. But we should be having energy throughout our day. Yeah, that completely makes sense because I remember, oh, there was a book I read years ago, and it, it wasn't the eat right for your type, but it had something to do with uh, your blood um, type or something. So in the, uh, in the book, the woman that wrote it, she was talking about her herself and, you know, her own husband, and he, uh, he wasn't a triathlete, but he, re- he exercised, you know, regularly and everything, and, but he was having this problem with just getting the, these last few pounds or whatever. And so when they, she did that exam and checked them out, it turned out she told you, you know what, you need more fat. Start eating more fat in your diet. And so, you know, avocados and whatnot, and that was it. And right when he started doing that, bam, all that weight came off. And so yeah. it's like. You're right on. Is you, you know, everyone's gonna, bodies are going to react a little different, and you have to just kind of guess dial it in, and you know, just by you know, kind of trial and error, and see what's working and what's not, and and kind of go from there. Oh no, absolutely. And you know, we we were designed to be eating foods in their natural state. Is the bottom yeah. line. And so all of this process, I am so much more afraid of all the processed foods when I'm dealing with someone who wants to lose weight than I am, you know, a pat of butter. Yeah. What about, so, you know, go ahead. No, 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 son, go, please go ahead. I was going to say, now, I know you, you said that you, you know, worked with clients all over the world. I don't know how much of that's on Skype or you actually travel to other countries, but I was saying, what's, how is, you know, all this exercise and nutrition, the, how people approach it in different countries in relation to, like, the United States? Well, you know, in, in, I mean, every, every place is completely different. I was in Amsterdam not too long ago, and, of course, everyone's riding their bike or they walk to wherever they want to go to. Um, you know, in Spain, you walk everywhere. In Spain, they don't eat that, man, that much processed food. It's mainly, you know, fresh foods. Italy, the same. I mean, Italy, you have the pasta, but most people are walking everywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and the pasta is fresh, so it doesn't have preservatives in it. Mm-hmm. You know, the preservatives kind of kick our butt as well. So it's just, it's different lifestyles. And, you know, people are so much more active than, than they are in, you know, they, they do things. They go out into the yard. They, they do their own house cleaning. They don't hire. You know, there are some countries in South America, they pretty much have staff to do just about everything. But yet, they are still walking and riding their bike and, you know, moving. So it really just depends where you are in the world. Yeah, but Americans that. have gotten to the point where, you know, we drive everywhere. Yeah, we drive everywhere. Plus, you know, like you said, we were talking earlier, the kids, they're on their PlayStations, they're on their devices and stuff. And I can remember, you know, I grew up in the 60s and 70s, and we were outside all the time playing. I mean, we didn't have all that stuff. So that's just what we did. We were just so much more active, whereas now, yeah, they're, you know, they're on their devices and Playstations and Xboxes and I don't think they're as active. Well, I have a funny story for you. I have, um, I have two kids, and last year we had a hurricane. And me and a couple of girlfriends of mine that have kids as well, we decided that we were going to go to Kentucky to get out of the hurricane. So we drive to Kentucky to a friend's house, and they have this beautiful ranch, 40 acres. And we tell the kids, 
go outside, run, play, do whatever you want to. Just don't cross the street. As long as you stay on property, you can go anywhere you want to. So we look out the window. Kids are outside, and they haven't left the front door. And we're, we're watching them, and we're like, like, why aren't they running? Because like when I was a kid, I'd be on my bike. My parents had no idea where I was. I was out in the forest riding my bike with friends. I'd be gone for hours. So we're watching the kids, and they haven't moved. So then we finally look at each other going, I think we're going to have to show them what to do. And we go out there and we're like, why haven't you guys moved? And they were like, well, we don't really know where to go. And we're like, you've got 40 acres. Do you know how big that is? I'm like, you can go anywhere. There's, there's no bad guys. There's nothing. Please feel free to run. And we had to go run and teach them what to do. They didn't know. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I, I would have been off, out and about. I'd have been gone. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been gone in two seconds. You wouldn't have seen me. Yeah. It's crazy. Have you seen the the documentary Where to Invade Next? No, I have not. Yeah, it's a great, it came out a couple of years ago. It's a Michael Moore film, and okay, it, it, tongue in sure, it's a tongue in cheek of um, every war that the past couple of wars in the that the state United States have had, we've lost, and so they come to Michael Moore of all people, and so he. They're like, what can we do now? And so he goes to all these different countries, and he's like, well, we're going to take what, what works for them and try to implement it here in the States. So, you know, they go to, like you said, Spain, Italy, and and they're going to some of these public schools, and they, they all have, chef, like, top chefs. And he's like, my daughter's in private school, and she doesn't even get that. And their overall quality of life was just better. And so I was just wondering – with, with um, if you could put, uh, you know, in a, a, a picture into the future where you are traveling, you are seeing the difference, and those in the bubble here that never leave the state won't really believe you. You know, they think that the world stops here. It's 1492. If we leave the U.S., then we're, we leave the world. <laughs> we leave the earth. How, how, do you, how do you transfer the information of what's successful overseas and bring it back here? where people would actually listen? You know, it's, it's been, um, because I live in Miami, I'm living with a melting pot of people from all over the world. Um, mm-hmm. Miami really is not America. It's probably about mm-hmm. 65 to 75% Latin. And those Latins come from either Spain or South, South and Central America. So, you know, it's, it's a whole different ballgame. But it's interesting to see because most people and most clients that I get they've moved here from their country and they're gaining a ton of weight and they're gaining a ton Mm -hmm. of weight because they're eating more processed foods than they've ever eaten before. Mm -hmm. And they're not active like they used to be. Mm. And I see it every single time. And so all of a sudden I have these ladies going, you know, I used to like not gain weight. Now I feel like I have to join a gym. I've never joined a gym before in my life, but I don't know what else to do. Um, And it has to do with the quality of their food choices here and the inactivity. Yeah. You hear of that a lot, too. It seems like I've heard that so many times where people, they lived in whatever country, especially maybe some of the Asian countries, and they come and live in the United States, and then, boom, they start putting on weight. <laughs> yeah. And it's like the food here, yeah, the processed food, you're, you're right on. Yeah. You know, we, we are the, we're the only country. So, so, like, the genetically modified ingredients, Europe won't accept that. You can't mm-hmm. import food into Europe that has genetically modified ingredients. Europe will not accept corn syrup. So, for example, Coca-Cola in the United States is made with corn syrup because it's a cheaper sugar and we become addicted to it. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's been linked to high cholesterol. But it doesn't matter here in the States. They use it. On the flip side, you go to Europe and they, they don't allow corn syrup over there. So Coca-Cola is made with sugar in, the Uni- in Europe and in South America. Mm-hmm. So they'll be like a cracker company that here they'll make the crackers with genetically modified ingredients, but for Europe they won't. So they're actually healthier over there, the same cracker. Let me ask you, since you're a nutritionist and you have an inside track, uh, along those lines where there, it seems like there was a, a phase where people knew about corn syrup, and so you start reading the labels and it said no corn or even on the front, it would say no corn syrup, but it was some substitution on the back that was just as bad or worse. Are are there any other ingredients for those that read labels that we should look out for that are really sugars that we should avoid? 
Well, there's, there's, you know, my very first nutrition teacher at the University of Miami, he said something that I have always repeated. If you can't pronounce it and you don't know what it is, don't eat it. So that is the first rule of thumb when looking at an ingredient list. On the same note, if something has more than 10 ingredients, I would question it. It's a lot of ingredients for, anything, for just about everything. When it comes to the sugars, the corn syrup and the high fructose corn syrup, those are very, very inexpensive form of sugar. They are known to be addictive. And they're at, in, in the addictive state, it's eight times more addictive than cocaine. Mm-hmm. So from a manufacturer standpoint, let me add corn syrup in here because it's cheaper than regular sugar, so I'll save money. And I can get these people addicted to it. They add corn syrup nowadays to just about anything. I do these grocery store tours where I'll take people to the grocery store and we'll look at labels. They had corn syrup in potato chips. There was corn syrup in pasta sauce. There was corn syrup in a, in a pasta company that I'd seen. They put it in places that you would not think that corn syrup should go. Mm-hmm. That reminds me so, of, of the 80s with uh, Oprah getting in trouble where she had mentioned about beef, and then the, that industry yeah. kind of put the kibosh on her. And when you were talking about corn syrup, the other thing that I see in just about everything is soy. And so I was wondering, when you do those tours, if you do a YouTube channel highlighting that, if you were going to experience any backlash. Um, I'm probably sure at some given point in time I will end up experiencing backlash. So far I have not. Um, but soy is just as bad, you know, and the challenge with soy, well, actually that kind of, I find it a little bit comical is that soy in order to break down and digest it. The problem with soy is that it's really hard for us to break down and digest it. So there's two ways of eating soy where you can actually eat it and it's broken down and it works great for you. One is if it's fermented and the other is if it's made like a curd. So like as in tofu, but combined with like a beef or chicken broth or beef or chicken. So for those vegetarians who are eating tofu thinking they're doing great, they actually can't break down and digest the tofu the way they should be digesting it. It actually puts a lot of stress on your system. And if they'd actually combine it with a meat product, they'd be doing better. Mm-hmm. Stay there for one second, Adita, because you're saying that if I'm a vegetarian and I'm trying something and I can't process it, or even if I'm not a vegetarian and I'm having all this soy, I can't process it. I may think, oh, I've eaten too much. But in, in actuality, my body's just rejecting it, so I feel bloated. Is that correct? Correct. Yes. Mm-hmm. So usually there's something called a food intolerance. It's not a food allergy. And a food intolerance could last anywhere from like a week to 10 years. It just kind of depends on the person and what the food is. But when you ever feel gassy or bloated or maybe your skin is itchy, that means you have an intolerance to something you ate. Now, the key is to figure out what that is because if you had a salad and it had 10 ingredients and you felt gassy or bloated, it's not the whole salad. It could be just one thing or maybe a combination of two things that are in your salad. So this is where I tell people, you know what, you've got to write down what you're eating and how you feel so that you can kind of pin down what you're intolerant to, and then remove that from your diet. Because here's the challenge. If you're out there trying to lose weight and you're eating foods that you're intolerant to, your body will actually store them as fat because your body's having a hard time digesting and processing it. So if you have a salad, let's say you were like, oh, I've been doing great on my diet. I've made this wonderful organic salad. Look at all these beautiful vegetables that are in here. But yet you're gassy and bloated. The whole thing gets stored as fat because when you digest food, it's not like your body's separating foods. It's kind of like a blender. Whatever you consume gets consumed together. So if your body feels like there's something in there that it can't break down and digest, it's just going to take all of it. And I always say that, that fat cells are like squishy Ziploc baggies. And it's just going to open up one of those Ziploc baggies and shove it all in there so that it doesn't have to worry about it. Mm-hmm. So we've talked about, a lot about nutrition can you talk a little bit about how the importance of, of getting uh, plenty of sleep and, as you say, relaxation and happiness? Yes, of course. Well, here's the thing. So, and of course, these are approximate hours, but our body, and I'm only going to use two hormones. We have a lot more, but just for our conversation, we're going to use two. So our daytime hormone is cortisol and our nighttime is serotonin, okay? And they can't work together. 
So one has to shut off, and then the other one turns on and, and, and works. So at night, from approximately 10 p.m. to 2, our body is physically recovering. And then from 2 to 6, our body is mentally recovering. So for those people that wake up in the middle of the night and they can't sleep and they're tossing and turning and they're thinking about all the stuff they have to do, they're actually shortchanging their mental recovery. And on the flip side, those people who are like, you know, I have all these athletic endeavors, I'm working out like a bandit, and, you know, I'm doing all this stuff, but I'm not going to bed until midnight, I'm actually shortchanging my physical recovery. So those things are super, super important. On the same side is the, the, your, when you wake up in the morning, you want to wake up, and not that you have to jump out of bed and, you know, be all starry-eyed, but it's about getting up and saying, okay, I'm, I'm ready to get up and getting out of bed. So for those people that are like, oh, my God, I can't get out of bed, like I need, you know, a shovel to be used to pull me out of this bed, that's when you know you have not been sleeping deeply enough. So a lot of times people will say, oh, no, but I sleep deep. I I slept all night. It's how you feel in the morning that actually reflects how well you slept. So if you're not getting that kind of really good deep sleep where you wake up feeling like, okay, I'm ready to get up, then you've got to start looking at a couple of the exterior factors. So is your room colder than normal? Is your room pitch dark? So like any tiny little LED light could actually stimulate your cortisol and throw your sleep off. So I always take like cardboard and I tape it over all those little LED lights because you want your room to be completely pitch dark. And at the same time, you want all your electronic devices out of your room You know, and if you are going to be using like a computer or a phone late at night, there's something on your phone called nightshade, and it takes out the blue light, and that blue light is what stimulates your cortisol. So again, we want to get you into serotonin mode. So we want want all of those things taken off. So like with my clients, I will actually set their phones and their computers to automatically go on the nightshade at around 5 o'clock, and it will stay that way. So the screen will look slightly yellow. And it'll stay that way until the next day. Mm. But these are all really, really important factors. So, you know, it's, th- that's part of when I preach health, which is where you brought the happiness in as well, but I preach health as the exercise and movement, the sleep and relaxation, the food and nutrition, and then, of course, the happiness component. Because if we're not happy, happy is what gives us those happy drugs inside of us, the endorphins that kind of kick in. So I'll ask you guys, when was the last time you guys laughed so hard that you were crying? Do you remember that? <laughs> I don't know. Wow. I, I like to laugh, and I, I, I think uh, Tom's the two, we get a lot of humor, and the last time I laughed that I was crying, yeah, it's probably been a little while. Okay, well, that's like heavy-duty dosing of endorphins when you do that. But to laugh is super important. A statistic I read recently is kids will laugh about 400 times a day, where adults will laugh 15. Yeah. But we need that. That is just part of health. So, you know, if you think about it, and, and I always like the four components, and I'm telling people you've got to try to balance these out into your day-to-day because you can have somebody who's super, super fit, but they don't sleep and they're cranky, and they're not, yeah. so that, they're not a healthy individual. Yeah. And, you know, and someone could eat super, super well, but they don't exercise, and they're cranky, and yeah. they're stressed out. You know, and so it's about, it's about really balancing out those four components. And I think most people, one of the areas that I always see people kind of screwing up on is every single day you have to do at least one thing for you. And it doesn't mean it has to take hours of your day. It could be five minutes. But something that you gives you pleasure to do and you do. My whole thing is I, I'm a big tea drinker and I drink tea with friends. And so, you know, I'll, I'll meet with somebody and I'll say, hey, meet me for a cup of tea. And that's my time out. It's like where I get to reset myself and then I move on with the rest of my day. Mm-hmm. But we've got to create something in our day that gives us, you know, the giggles and pleasure and just a big smile on our face as opposed to just running around, you know, like a sourpuss. Yeah. So I, I want you to, I'm going to give you a, a sandwich that I, I like to eat, and I want you to grade it for me from A to F. So um, a multi-grain bread, hummus, lettuce, tomato, bell pepper, and cucumber. I love it. Cool. I love That's it, I love it, I love it. 
Okay, and then one more. I have I drink okay. a. Uh, I haven't been doing it, but for a while, I, ju- I t- you know, periodically do juice. I got a green juice smoothie, a lemon ginger blast. So it's like lemon, celery, cucumber, uh, parsley, cilantro, or you can substitute that with kale, ginger, and if I really want to put a kick to it, uh, one cayenne pepper. Well done. All right. Well, and you know, you guys can go on my website at adidalang.com. I've got tons of recipes, and I've got tons of smoothie recipes in there as well, and they're all easy. I have a yeah. hummus recipe in there, and I've done it so because my, my big thing when I love to cook and I love yummy foods, but I do understand that most people don't want to cook. So I always send them there to get my recipes because they're easy to do. Yeah, I'd like for but you to highlight one because they look really cool, and, and my, one of my weaknesses is pancakes. And so whenever I speak with people, and I'm sure you probably see it more than I do, but when you start talking about health, fitness, and stuff, they're thinking you're going to have to eat tree bark all day. And, and <laughs> that's, no. But I'd like, for you to, I'd like for you to talk about your protein, your banana protein pancake, because uh, there are ways that we can work around and still enjoy the foods that we like, but our approach has to be different. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I'm, I'm a big one. I like to like... I, I, I guess kind of hide things. So a pancake is a great thing because you can put a lot of stuff into a pancake. So a pancake, I've, I use a plant-based protein powder. And then, of course, what? You want it kind of sweet. So you've got to add in, of course, we'll add in some eggs, and we can add in some banana. And then I'll puree strawberries and blueberries and raspberries as the syrup. And I got myself a really good protein pancake because if you remember that I spoke earlier when I was talking about that middle ground, that middle ground of of making sure that all of our meals and snacks have an adequate amount of protein and fat because that's what's going to keep us satiated longer. So you can add all these things to to a pancake right? And if, and if you don't want to make the mess, this one, I recently did this and I, I kind of love that I did this. I went to the, um, to the store and I got myself one of those little tiny waffle makers because pancakes sometimes mm. is like a big mess and you've got a, all these pans and all that kind of stuff. So I got myself a little tiny waffle maker and I actually use, I just take my same pr- pancake mix and I stick it in the waffle iron and it takes me two minutes and there's very little cleanup. Right. It's awesome. All right. Well, I want to ask you about two other ingredients that I see in my day-to-day and hear people talk about, uh, like for weightlifting friends, they no longer use whey or protein, so I'm glad you mentioned that plant-based. And so I hear a lot about, and I actually use uh, hemp protein, uh-huh. and I want mm-hmm. to get your take on um, using hemp and also apple cider vinegar. Okay. So hemp, I love hemp. hemp. Hemp is awesome. And the cool thing about like hemp seeds is that they don't really have a flavor. So for example, when I make hummus, I actually add in hemp seeds so that they'll give it even more protein mm-hmm. because they don't add a flavor to the hummus. It doesn't take away from the flavor of the hummus, but yet it's going to add more protein and essential fatty acids. So essential fatty acids is that thing that our brain loves to eat, and it makes our brain that much more stronger and powerful, and hemp seeds is packed with it. So that's such a great thing to be adding in. And hemp seeds, again, because the flavor doesn't really change anything, you can throw them on your salad, you can stick them in a soup, you can throw them in a smoothie, you can put them anywhere you want. I've put them in muffins. So it gives you good essential fatty acids and good quality protein. So that's a great, great thing to add. Then when it comes to apple cider vinegar, so basically our body likes to live in this middle state of alkaline and acid to try to make this like science talk so much easier and more fun. And so on that note, apple cider vinegar actually helps us create more alkalinity in our body. Disease thrives on acidity. So when people eat a lot of processed foods, drink a lot of alcohol and all that stuff, their body is so much more acidic. So if they actually add in a little teaspoon of apple cider vinegar to a giant glass of water, they'll barely taste the apple cider vinegar, but yet it'll create alkalinity in the body. On the same note, apple cider vinegar with what's called the mother, which is kind of like the gunk on the bottom of the bottle, that stuff is really good for you. And it's got probiotics, it's got minerals, it's got vitamins, and so that stuff also helps to boost up your immune system. So it's, it's just an overall good tonic to add into your day-to-day. Would, that, would the kombuchas go the same thing? Yeah, I'm obsessed with kombucha. 
Yeah. Glad you brought that up. I love kombucha. I started making kombucha. It's, all, it's awesome. Yeah, so kombucha has tons of minerals and tons of probiotics. So, you know, there's all this. It's kind of funny when you start the way the food industry works is like, you know, now we have so many processed foods going into, into the market that everyone's having digestive issues because there's too many processed foods. So then, of course, they have on TV all of these, you know, new probiotics that are out there because people are having digestive issues. But you're much better off having a probiotic coming from its natural state as opposed to like some synthetically derived probiotic. So kombucha is a great way of bringing in those probiotics. And, you know, I look at kombucha as my soda because I really, I drink tea, I drink water, and I drink kombucha. And when I talk to people all the time about nutrition, I say to them, look, it's like a financial investment. If I asked you to give me all your money and that I was going to invest your money and you're going to get absolutely no return, you'd look at me and go, well, that's not worth me giving you my money for. So I go, food is the same thing. Food is supposed to give you a nutritional return. And if it doesn't, it's totally not worth it. So if I'm going to drink something, I want to drink something that's going to actually give me nutrients and power. And that's where something like kombucha kind of kicks in. Perfect. And as a, since you do a combination of nutrition and, and exercise, I'd be remiss if we didn't talk a little bit, since we're all adults, a little bit about keeping relationships together by incorporating the uh, exercise that you could do together, and that will help us <laughs> go away too, and keep and make you happy. You were talking about happy and didn't mention exercising together. Well, but remember, <laughs> well, okay, okay. So here's the thing. Remember, I said you need to be between 150 to 300 minutes of activity. Anything that increases your heart rate and makes you sweat. So gotcha. those minutes count <laughs> as your activity. You, now I'm going to win every argument now. <laughs> We have to work out. <laughs> My livelihood is at stake here. You, you know, you get your Fitbits on and say, okay, let's see who gets the best heart rate. Go. <laughs> I love it. I'm trying to get my, la- my, my minutes of laughter in as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a pleasure, Adina. I want to give you some time to talk about your – your book, and because we didn't cover that in great detail, but I'd like for you to talk a little bit about your book, where you can get it, and where people can find you on the World Wide Web, as they say. Oh, thank you, thank you. So, Superpowers, A Busy Woman's Guide to Health and Happiness is available on Amazon and also on Barnes & Nobles. And basically, I designed that book for all of my multitasking, sorry guys, female and it, it's a way of adding in the four components of health, your exercise, your nutrition, your sleep, and your happiness into a super busy, chaotic day. So it doesn't feel so overwhelming. So it's something that's easy and manageable. I have all sorts of fun tips in there. It's very graphically oriented with like worksheets. I tell, I, I tell women all the time that it's about them like kind of like writing out their own instruction manual for life for themselves. And so that's what I designed that book. It's, uh, every comment that I've gotten so far is that they've just enjoyed reading it and they feel like that the tips in there are something that's doable. comes with a ton of recipes, comes with a whole exercise program. But again, it's all simple, easy to do in a chaotic day. And if you guys want to find out more information about me, I am at aditalang.com. So that's A-D-I-T-A-L-A-N-G.com. I'm also on Facebook at Adita Lang and Adita Lang Wellness, and I'm also on Instagram and Pinterest. Everything is at Adita Lang. So I'd love to see everybody go on there and say hello. Fantastic, fantastic. And for those listening, um, just want to give a shout-out to all of the veterans out there. This Sunday we are actually off uh, taking time to commemorate all the veterans and all the great work that they do. So salute to you guys. And you have been in tune to another episode of Intrinsic Motivation from a Homie's Perspective. This is Hamza. And I am David. And Adita, it was a pleasure. Thanks for the laughs and all the great information. Let's stay in touch. Sounds good. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, thank you. Bye. Bye.
Thanks again for checking out another episode of Intrinsic Motivation from a Homie's Perspective podcast. Please check us out on our website at intrinsicmotivation.life where you can click on the speak pipe button and leave any suggestions for a future podcast that you'd like us to cover. Also check us out on our social media sites. We have a YouTube channel, Facebook page, iTunes podcast, in addition to Stitcher and Google Play, all under Intrinsic Motivation from a Homie's Perspective. Check you out next time. Have a great day.